Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. My name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Conversations. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back again. We have our penultimate episode in our short story and novella series. We've been covering every single one. You can go in the back catalog if you've missed it. You can join the conversation at the Reddit or Facebook or Twitter or whatever social medias you prefer. And this is a very special month. This is July and the following month is August, for those of you that use the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> and those are Brooke and my birthday months. Party! So, yeah, exactly. Partying all the time. So we are going to do, on the next couple of episodes, a public outcry. No, we're not going to cry. We are just going to ask the fans and listeners of the podcast, if you have not reviewed us, starred us, done all the stuff, told a friend about Cosmere Conversations. We do not do this every episode. We do not do a lot of uh, self-promotion through the medium. We don't have ads or anything like that. All we say is that it helps other people find the podcast if it's rated on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast please do so if you like the pod if you like having this little community of cosmere people someone else might too so let them know exactly today we're looking at mistborn secret history which is probably one of the most important non-main books in the cosmere like a a short story that you might have missed or might not have picked up yet This one we reference all the time on the podcast because it's super important, and now we are going to dive deep like a cannonball mixed with a jackhammer mixed with an Olympic diver going deep. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. That's what we're doing. (laughs) This book is a lot. Book. I mean, whatever. Short story. It's a lot. There is like a lot packed into this short story. And I find it a little bit overwhelming. It's definitely overwhelming. This is actually one of the things that Brandon mentioned in the afterward. Yeah, not the foreword, but the afterward, uh, where he was worried quite a bit about how this story doesn't quite flow altogether. It's a little disjointed and can be overwhelming to read. And it was overwhelming for him to put together. But overall, While he recognizes the disjointed aspects, he was real happy with how Mistborn Secret History turned out and has left open the possibility to sequels to Mistborn Secret History. Yeah, I read that for the first time this time around and was pretty surprised. That's like, that's a lot to get sequels of this like cool shadow novel happening behind the novels and i imagine it has to be or one of the ideas that he has to have is following kelsier through mistborn era two and three and possibly four or just kind of other adventures with other people throughout the cosmere 
in the cognitive realm. Like I'm mm. not 100% convinced that it has to be Kelsier. Yeah. That's obviously what makes kind of the most sense because he definitely has a huge role to play in Mistborn Era 2. We don't know what he was doing in the Southern realms to kind of spur on their technological innovation and the eventual yeah. plot points of Era 2. So I would be interested in seeing at least a sequel to show what he's doing to like lead up to where we then encounter him again in era two but i also think that idea of like following possibly someone else in the cognitive realm could be really cool like what if we had a shadow novel of vivenna slash azure yeah in her like quest to find vasher and in between warbreaker and oathbringer like that would be super cool absolutely think that would be amazing we definitely think that they have journeys that may have taken them to other Cosmere planets other than Nalthus and Rashar. So I am very hopeful for, I guess, the secret history uh, sequels. I don't know if it's going to be always Mistborn, but like I yeah. could see secret history. Secret histories the... of everything. Yeah, basically. <laughs> what a, And just like what a cool concept and what a cool thing for an author to offer his fans. Yes, the other big aspect, obviously, spoiler warnings, hashtag all spoilers all the time. You know this. We pick up with Kelsier as he is dying in Mistborn Book One. This concept of having a character survive death or come back from death was another thing that Brandon was really worried about because it can obviously be kind of comic booky really out of hand yeah if you're like not willing to kill people then all kind of the stakes of a book or the big impactful moments of a book i mean imagine if just like oh elicar died and kaladin was sad but he wasn't that sad because he knew that like elicar was going to be back in a couple of days or like it's that feeling of just like you lose the kind of deeper connection when there is a lack of real fear and real danger. And so Brandon was hesitant to tell this story, but it's also a key aspect of bringing together many of the looser threads in Mistborn Era 1. And And he says that he specifically tried to leave breadcrumbs within the main trilogy so that if he ever did tell this story like it would make sense and it wouldn't be contrived of like ah, well he just wanted to save kelsier and there are definitely moments now rereading mistborn where you can see these things i think one that was like a big question mark uh is that the moment when vin does not go to get information from her source, yes. which is actually Hoyd. It's a very short paragraph or less um, in the actual work, and it doesn't lead anywhere. It's literally like she says that she has to go get information. She like lands on a rooftop, looks down at this dude, and then is like, eh, no, and like goes away. And she no, just I mean, I think it is longer than that. It's not very long. That's all I'm saying. But it's not resolved. Yeah, it's just a loose thread. You're just like, okay, well, why was that here? It doesn't make any sense. That moment always stood out to me as like, well, why? It's never wrapped up. She like feels this like pulsing thing that kind of feels like the mists, but we just like never find out any explanation for it. 
And so that moment in Secret History, I love. And there are a couple of other moments similar that were just kind of like, you Brandon took us down a path and then it didn't really seem to resolve or the connection between two points wasn't really solid. And then now what we realize is, oh, there is Kelsier's cognitive shadow and we'll get into like what is this thing that we're following in Mistborn Secret History uh, that is helping out the plot point of the main story. And that is super fascinating. E- even like the biggest plot point, which is Vin taking up the power of preservation uh, to defeat ruin at the end of the book, that is entirely because Kelsier had already taken the power and like already um, was in position to give it to Vin. Yeah, I think that is the other moment that I find really helpful of being like, oh, this exactly. like makes more sense now. It's not just like a kind of like the power was like floating around or yeah, like because there's a gap of time in between when fuzz preservation dies and then picking up the power to defeat ruin that is known about like yeah it's a very clear thing when like everything starts to turn and get much much worse because preservation is not holding anything back and it does like when you don't have secret history it feels like a little continuity issue which like as a fan you know you you can overlook you can dismiss yeah but being able to have an explanation for that little gap is great the one thing about Mistborn secret history that for me made it like really difficult to try to think of um, like notes or stuff for this podcast is that this book is like giving us answers to questions that we don't know yet. <laughs> like I feel like there's a lot of information in here, but it's not all useful yet. Like Brandon is giving us a ring full of keys, but we don't have the doors to put them in. And so we like just have these keys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's re- that's a really great idea. Just, like what if someone walked in and was like, here's a bunch of keys. You're, and like, your follow they're up important. question. Yeah, like, exactly. You're going to want them. And you're like, okay, but like, where do I use them? Yeah. What, where are the doors for these keys? And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you'll come across them in the future. <laughs> but it, it is a fascinating concept and a very bold concept for an author to just be like, I know what's going on, or I have a bigger picture of this whole thing, and I'm going to give you this little slice that is so overwhelming and so chock full of great information and great detail, and yet my readers are not going to have a full understanding of this until later. I really think that Mistborn Secret History and whatever sequels might exist will become like the key factor for understanding the greater Cosmere. Yeah, I feel like down the line this story is just going to keep becoming more and more useful as we're able to like apply it to new things that we learned. But right now it just feels like a candy bowl full of delicious tidbits, but like not that nutritious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Halloween, not quite upcoming yet, but uh, certainly this is like... It's not filling. Exactly. I find that Mistborn Secret History, one of the reasons it is so confusing and difficult to read is because of the massive amount of mysteries that are being shown 
that we don't even have a great foundation to understand. I really think that Oathbringer and the whole section of that book that takes place in the Rasharian cognitive realm is a great partner, but Mistborn Secret History came up before that, and so we didn't even have that kind of um, main novel that was diving in. So this was really our first example of like deep cognitive realm exploration and the romantic theory. So much of our background about the Cosmere comes from this one story, and it was all so new and so fresh and so overwhelming. It's nice to get a picture of how the cognitive realm works on Scadrial versus on Rashar, because we get like little snippets of how it works in Way of Kings and Words of Radiance. Um, so even before Oathbringer, we at least like kind of have an idea. Um, but I think it's really cool to get to see it in this book on Scadrial and how there are differences and yet similarities and it i think it's interesting that both of them have the land water flip absolutely the kind of uh cognitive upside down where yeah. what is solid becomes kind of misty and liquid and what is liquid becomes like a solid island or continent uh and that seems to be true throughout the Cosmere. Like we believe that's probably um, Cosmere wide, not just individualized to these two planets. And so it's an important aspect. What I am most kind of curious about is what does empty space become? Because from Oathbringer, we kind of feel like empty space just gets forgotten or like left out a little bit yeah it doesn't exist yeah exactly because like the cognitive realm obviously needs some cognitive attention in order to manifest there and since there's nothing going on in empty space the empty space just gets kind of um skipped it's like a hard drive you know when you're writing something it just doesn't use any of the hard drive if you just have a bunch of blank spaces uh instead it's only worried about like what is actually important and significant and so we think that's why travel through the cognitive realm is easier through these like great physical distances. That's how you can get from planet to planet through the cognitive realm, because in the middle of space where no one's thinking about anything, nothing exists in the cognitive realm. Let's just go through and kind of talk about a couple of the key plot points that we want to take out and understand a little bit better from Mistborn secret history because it picks up literally like as Kelsier is fighting uh, the Inquisitors. He like killed the Inquisitor and then the Lord Ruler standing there and he's like, now's the time, guys. Now is the time. And he realizes or recognizes immediately after stabbing the Lord Ruler and like through the chest. And the Lord Ruler is just like, why did you like poke this toothpick at me? Like it's <laughs> completely not not a problem for him at all. Kelsier enacts his great plan to allow the lord ruler to kill him i mean he couldn't fight the lord ruler he knew that he recognized that yeah he tries to use the 11th medal and is like hmm okay well that didn't work that wasn't helpful because obviously what we know from the 11th medal the short story uh that we read a couple of weeks ago is that the whole concept of the 11th medal was a plant by ruin to get Kelsier to this moment when he was helping bring down the Lord Ruler. 
Uh, so it's it's all part of Ruin's plan. Kelsier doesn't know that, but we'll find it out in Mistborn Secret History. Well, and Ruin has no way of knowing that Kelsier is going to refuse to die. <laughs> of course, yes. And even it's such an interesting like example almost of when a creature or character is too powerful, how they will overlook and dismiss they're like overconfident yeah it's always kind of like an aspect of different stories and media throughout history but just the idea of like you have so much power and you maybe have lived for a very long time or near infinity amount of time uh and you just kind of don't have the appreciation for the things that are actual risks uh because all risks seem like no risk to you and so you don't actually value what is most risky and kelsier as brandon has pointed out is like one of the riskiest part of the cosmere like he's a dangerous mofo i think it's interesting to get kelsier's perspective on this because i think it's really easy to see kelsier as kind of a ruthless and selfish person right like there's a lot of the time that he's looking out for number one even though like he has friends and he has his crew and whatever like let's be honest he's always number one you know and so i think it's interesting that when he dies kind of his impetus for sticking around and actually not being selfish not going into the beyond to be with the love of his life but staying in the cognitive realm as a permanent cognitive shadow. His reasoning is because he wants to continue helping his friends. He wants to continue working to liberate the ska. And that is true. But there's definitely still like that selfish, maybe a little psychotic aspect of Kelsier that's like kicking around and maybe more so as the cognitive shadow. So Kelsier, let's kind of just, I love this idea of like what goes on after death on Skadriel. And at this time, Kelsier dies, he immediately goes to the cognitive realm and is greeted by Preservation, who gives him kind of like a routine, you lived, you died, now it's time to go to the beyond, capital B, great beyond, some place else, somewhere else, some place that Preservation does not control And we assume that this is kind of the spiritual realm where you're going from the physical realm, you pass through the cognitive realm for a brief moment, meet preservation, at least on Skadriel, and then the beyond is kind of where you fade away into. And it is said that Mare and everyone that Kelsier knows and everyone that has ever existed goes to the beyond within a couple of moments of like recognizing their death of course kelsier is going to break that mold right after punching preservation in the face (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of punching he is the only person entity other than no not even like a dalinar because like he doesn't even directly fight um odium in kind of like a combat sense but like kelsier has punched two gods in the face and hoid who's like (laughs) semi-god demi-god i don't know he's something (laughs) but like kelsier's racking up a a nice little hit list of shards and super powerful cosmere entities 
Should we talk about his encounter with Hoyd? I mean, I think we've talked about it previously in other podcasts. Um, but I like seeing Hoyd uh, take that beat of Lorazium because, you know, it was a big point of speculation before Mistborn Secret History came out was like, oh, you know, obviously it's very clear that somebody else took the last bead um, and we can strongly suspect that it's Hoyd, but it's just cool to see it actually happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that that whole scene with Hoyd where he's going by the name Drifter, obviously preservation is eventually going to be one of the first people to mention Hoyd's oldest name, Sephandrius, uh, and that's the first hint we get at that. But that idea of Hoyd being called the Drifter, naming himself the Drifter, goes along with other names that he's used, the Traveler, the Wanderer. But when asked by Kelsier, Hoyd says, quote, I am a Drifter, a miscreant, the flame's last breath, made of smoke at its passing. That's needlessly obtuse. Well, I'm that too. The man cocked his head. That mostly, if I'm honest. End quote. <laughs> what is Hoyd is obviously one of the big questions of the Cosmere, but his tendency to travel, wander, drift around the Cosmere to find himself in interesting moments throughout the Cosmere on different planets, to show up in a place and not quite know why he's there, but know that he had to travel there for some reason. Like he has what we now assume to be a great majority of Cosmere powers um, and is invested in a variety of different ways, including with, we believe, a full Mistborn, or at least if he's not a full Mistborn, he has the ability to become one as soon as he takes that bead. But I also think he has, don't we? Because he's like shown to drink a vial in uh, another... Um, I think it I think was it, Well, it's a flask. I don't think it's called a vial. But there are various different places where we see things that would definitely make sense if they were chalked up to um, allomantic powers. I think the most interesting part of that quote, though, is him describing himself as being the flame's last yes. breath. And, like, what does that mean? It's very... Lord of the Rings-esque, like Tolkien-esque, where it's almost like a title. Like Gandalf had all these other titles that were part of his, or at least a hint, at his bigger, grander purpose in the in the Tolkien universe. But Hoyd also does kind of seem to have, we obviously know he goes by a lot of different names, but Flame's Last Breath is either a beautiful description or it kind of seems like some type of like, Almost like a title. Almost like he, he earned it. In, I don't know. That's what I it's, feel. No, because then the rest of that quote is that it was made from the smoke at its passing. So then, like, it almost seems like he is, like, the child of Adenalsium itself or something or is, like, the last piece of Adenalsium or, like, he seems to be, like, isolating himself as being unique and singular but then we know that he was a part of the group that shattered adenalsium so then it's like i mean you weren't alone you know however maybe he is the last of the planet that he is from 
the last one that is not a shard, maybe. Yeah, well, you're not really, as we know, the shards have their own intention and kind of affect the vessels that carry them. And so he could kind of conceivably say that he is the last like true one who's like actually himself still in some way where all the others have been basically elevated, ascended to a different role and position and are no longer what they were. He's like the flame's last breath. He's just the last of uh, whatever was before. Although Mm. there is that frost guy hanging out. (laughs) Well, hmm. but I guess frost is a dragon, so he's kind of different. Dragons have flames. So (laughs) is it possible that maybe the dragons were able to morph into human forms like through technology or something or through magic and maybe Hoyt is actually like the last of the the dragons or one of the last of the dragons I don't think so I don't that's <laughs> really really ridiculous speculation but just like yeah flame's last breath if there's any other mentions uh throughout any of the book that deals with like Hoyt and the flames i'd be uh interested to see what comes up one of the other great quotes from that moment or around that uh moment when hoyd shows up at the well of ascension is this one brooke could you read that for us once you step behind the curtain and see the actors as the people they are it becomes harder to pretend the play is real end quote this to me is kind of the big takeaway from Mistborn's secret history. This is the big revelation that Kelsier has, is he thought he was kind of the center of the universe, or at least the Lord Ruler and his mission were the center of the universe. And what could be more important than taking down this super powerful leader that had ruled for a thousand years and oppressed people? Like, that's the most important thing going on. And then all of a sudden, he is introduced, not just to the idea that everything he has seen is kind of a stage and they're all actors playing roles that are kind of controlled by or at least influenced by the bigger shards, but also that that stage he is playing on, Scadriel, or the last empire, the final empire, is just one tiny slice of all that is actually happening He is going to travel further in secret history than he's ever traveled before, but he's also going to be introduced to the other planets in the Cosmere and the Shards and the Shard Ward. Like All of these things are revealing more and more about how the world that he thought existed is not even close to all that there is. So Kelsier steps behind this curtain, becomes... A cognitive shadow. He like, you know, scrappily figures out how to keep himself around. Um, and cognitive shadow, which we've talked a lot about in the last episode of the podcast and this one, in secret history, it is described as, quote, a force of mind holding his spirit together, preventing it from diffusing, end quote. And when Kelsier meets Ruin later in Mistborn Secret History, Ruin says this, quote, Look at you, Kelsier. 
You haven't form or shape. You're not alive. You're an idea. A memory of a man holding the power will never be as potent as a real one with ties to all three realms. End quote. And so we have this concept of like a cognitive shadow as an idea about what the person is or what defines the a person in the Cosmere. It is obviously explored a little bit in the Stormlight Archive with Spren, which are definitely ideas and informed upon or are created as concepts, living embodiments of emotions and physical personifications. Yeah, physical personifications and they're kind of manifesting in the cognitive realm. I am deeply intrigued by this idea that Kelsier that we see now, even the one that we see in Mistborn Era 2 that has a full-on body and a single spike through the eye, is not Kelsier. That you cannot be the thing that you once were without those connections to all three realms. Well, I wonder if it's kind of like being a shard where your innate personhood and personality become like diffused into the power that you're holding. Like maybe Kelsier's essence starts to get diluted into like the idea of him. I think that's a good way, like diluted into the idea of him. I mean, if we think about it like a shard or like try to follow the rules that shards play with, shards have a vessel, right? And then obviously they have a bunch of influence in the cognitive realm and they are manifestation of the spiritual realm's energy. And that's kind of their, where their power comes from. But if we apply that to what Kelsier is, he doesn't have his connection to the physical realm anymore. He has no body. His body's gone 100%. There is no body. That would kind of be like a shard without a vessel, which can exist. We know that preservation's power remains after the vessel dies, and we see across the Cosmere that different shards, devotion and dominion, they can all like exist without all of their ties still yeah, Connecting. I mean, the power is always going to exist. I think vessel, though, I think that term applies to more than just a body. Like, I think it means the entirety of the person. However, I do wonder if, like, when Kelsier takes up the power of preservation, because he's a cognitive shadow, he would not be able to create a physical, quote, body of the shard on the planet. Like we see Ruin's quote body manifesting on the planet physically, ATM. I wonder if if Kelsier's holding a shard, he's not able to create something like that because he is not connected to the physical realm. Yeah, even if he was able to like fully wield the shard, which we know, or the power, which we know he cannot because he's too much of Ruin. And that's the difference between him and Vin and why Vin is able to succeed where he's not. But I, that's a good question. Like, could he manifest? He definitely does have additional powers. Like, he has some cool things that he can do as a cognitive shadow, but he cannot be really understood or interact with the physical realm. He has to touch 
the little mist shades in order to get a vision of what it is like. But once he takes up the power of preservation, then he can see everything as if it was in the real world. So he gets some extra powers, but he is still like weakened. He's not like a full shard. I think a sliver is a great way to describe what Kelsier becomes because he's not fully a shard. Well, but you become a sliver after holding the power. I do think that that's an interesting concept, though, that's brought up in this, that one has to, in some way, be aligned with the power of the shard that you're holding to, like, fully and effectively wield the power. Because I think previously we've heard, like, in the letters and from Hoyd, that, for example, Raysa the vessel of odium like used to be a kind and gentle person so then that makes me like wonder wasn't it that ruins was a kind and gentle person and odium was always kind of a dick oh maybe i think ruin was once kind of a nice person but that's why odium is so um so much worse (laughs) yeah exactly like so much more dangerous if I remember correctly, anyone reach out. I know you want to correct us, so go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah, this is your chance. There's endless chances. We mess up all the time. I find the contrast or like, this is the only time maybe outside of Dalinar at the end of Oathbringer. He definitely did something weird where like Odium thought that Dalinar was honor in, or like he, he screams, Odium screams, we killed you. Obviously not talking about Dalinar, because Dalinar's always been alive. So he's referencing honor. And did Dalinar become something maybe different than just a radiant, even one of the the very powerful radiants uh, as a bondsmith? Like, did he somehow ascend, become a little bit of a sliver? Yeah, now he's a sliver. Maybe. And that's kind of what is being hinted at. But other than that moment, and then having her battle um, at the end of Mistborn, this is the most detailed explanations we get about what a shard is, what it's like to wield a shard, and the power that exists there. And it's often just like described as like very overwhelming or seems very overwhelming in many respects. Yeah, a lot of times it's described a little bit more vaguely. And there's a great quote in Secret History that is much more specific about this experience of ascending and becoming a divinity, essentially. Quote, everything else was vaporized. Nothing could withstand that terrible, wonderful light. Kelsier lost form, thought, very being. He transcended self and entered a place of flowing light. Ribbons of it exploded from him, and though he tried to scream, he had no voice. Time didn't pass. Time had no relevance here. It was not a place. Location had no relevance. Only connection. Person to person. Man to world. Kelsier to God. And that God was everything. The thing he had pitied was the very ground Kelsier walked upon. The air. The metals. His own soul. Preservation was everywhere. Beside it, Kelsier was insignificant. An afterthought. End quote. I think that's one of the most impactful and beautiful descriptions about what preservation was and kind of what that means to be a shard 
Kelsier obviously has it for a short period of time, and we know the Lord Ruler has it, and we know that Zazed has both the powers now, but this description is so important, and I want to just pull out one little bit about location had no relevance, only connection, person to person, man to world, Kelsier to God, and that God was everything. When we start looking at other shards and we try to compare it back to this, I wonder if they are going to actually fit the same mold. Because remember- Yeah, that's what I would guess. I would too. Like That's the initial kind of thought about like, of course, all the shards are similar in this way and they are similar. And at the same time, remember that preservation and ruin created Scadrial. They created everything on Scadrial. All that Scadrial is, all the life, is all their creation. Yeah, they Whereas started other from ones, scratch. Yeah, exactly. Where other ones, either because of their innate powers or the vessel's decisions, they went to places that had life, sometimes had human life, and or at least significant life. But they, they kind of molded the world to them instead of... Cre- now, I think that that still means that they're going to be in everything, but I wonder if the preservation and ruin and therefore zazed actually might have like a a step up in some ways. Yeah, I think it's reasonable to assume that this world is maybe more interconnected bound together mm-hmm, than maybe some of the other worlds, but I would expect that we would at least see something similar of this like mega spirit web. Yeah, definitely something similar. That capital C connection is obviously the key in the Cosmere, especially when it comes to how investiture works and the the theories behind magic in the Cosmere. And Kelsier gets a little slice of that. He says later, quote, with a cry of exultation, he felt the power flow through him, like Allomancy a hundred times over, a feverish, molten, burning energy that washed through his soul. He laughed, rising into the air, expanding, becoming everywhere and everything, end quote. So what we got here is an immense amount of descriptions of these powers of shards, and I love that most when compared to uh, what ruin brings to the table. But instead of just going like quote by quote, let's save that for a little bit later. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the adventures that Kelsier has in the cognitive realm. Because like- He meets a lot of interesting people. Yeah, to avoid death, he has to go to the Well of Ascension. He gets locked in there. Hoyd comes, we already talked about that moment, riding in on a cognitive shadow, like a boat. On a corpse. Yeah, on just a- hey there little buddy thanks for letting me use you as a dinghy or other type a gondola gondola yeah he's a gondolier hoid the gondolier i actually kind of like that image uh but he eventually breaks out obviously when vin frees ruin at the end of uh book two and that is when kelsier's real adventures begin because he meets as you said chris cosmere scholar and her her employee, Nas. Nas actually gives Kelsier his knife. And I always wanted that knife to be more significant and maybe it'll come back. So something that I just thought of, we know that Nas is originally from Threnody. 
and their ancient religion, the symbol is like a knife or a dagger. What if it's like a special silver, awesome knife? I mean, certainly if he's from Threnody, that is Shadows for Silence in the Forest of Hell, correct? So we, as we just talked about with the, that story, the shades are very similar in many ways to what Kelsier is. I mean, Cognitive Shadow is the basic description that we used for both of them. Obviously, the shades in Threnody were A, wounded by silver, and B, somehow corrupted or evil, which might have happened because of the destruction of that shard and the way that that played out. But I think that that knife is probably significant, and Kelsier just lost that at one point. Um, as the world was ending you know you get a little busy when the world is ending yeah it'll be interesting to see if that turns up somewhere but another interesting part about this interaction is that as soon as chris and Nas hear that hoyd is around they like skedaddle yeah yeah obviously hoyd is kind of not hunting because we know he's like not actively trying to hurt people but Chris and Nas want nothing to do with Hoyd, and they also do not want to deal with the power dynamic or the power battle that is about to happen when preservation dies. Like, they want to watch and they want to see what happens, but they don't want to be around when preservation dies because they're like, nah, man, that's when shit goes crazy here. Yeah, they're like, we're just here to take notes. We are not here to be revolutionaries or, like, soldiers or anything but it's Nas and chris that point kelsier westward further west than kelsier has ever traveled in his own life all the way out past the ocean where the irie live ire yeah irie and there are many clues that tell us that the irie are from cell that they are probably Elantrians, which is fascinating. And they have come up with this like contraption that can capture the power of a shard. And they just have like crazy technology. And like, how did they get here? And they've built an entire like building fortress in the cognitive realm. So I'm, I don't know, obviously, but it kind of seems like they are existing like what we talked about previously, in the condensed space in between the planets. That, like, there should be nothing there, but they, like, right on the edge of where Skadriel begins and that, like, cognitive world begins, they've, like, planted this fortress and built this fortress that I got many, like, small clues from. They were using stormlight to power. I don't think so. They're is a specific reference to a stone that they were trying to keep out of view or like trying to uh, be secretive with that glowed brightly and that Kelsier did not know what it was. He said it was almost like a soul or a bit of metal, but was different at the same time. And this is not yeah, the that device. Could be, that could be any investiture, basically. It could be, and, but I'm thinking it's Stormlight. That's my deep pull. Is I that these Cellian, so. Cellish people have some access to Stormlight as well, or at least the stones? Because 
No, no. You're forgetting that in Elantris, there is a description that the city of Elantris glowed. The stones itself themselves glow because the Elantrians draw the aeons on them that allow them to give off light. But Wh- so why would mobile. this city be any different? Because Elantris is all about geography. It wouldn't make sense that they could bring the power with them. But the well, way they that you can, it out. I know. But how they've been around for how clearly a long out? time. They figured out how to get into the cognitive realm and build a city. You think they can't figure out how no, to make their magic work? Exactly what I'm saying. In order to have the energy to make their magic work, they had to have something. And we know there's a huge cognitive economy going on where metals from Scadriel are traded for other things throughout the Cosmere. We what don't do know tra- that for sure. We 100% know that for sure. That's not a joke, anyone. This has been said by Hoyd in Mistborn Secret History. No, he doesn't say we're trading metals for XYZ. He just says you disrupted an, an entire mercantile economy, which was fun to watch. Because, That's because the ATM mines are a perpendicularity that people travel through. No. Yes. The metal itself oh is traded. Go back and read it. Okay. So after a dive into the words of Brandon and some clarification, what we are trying to say is that A, there is a mercantile system throughout the Cosmere. Brandon has said that there is active trade going on with things like caravans moving between Nalthus and Rashar that Vivenna and Vasher take at one point and that the there's kind of a hidden Cosmere economy that has popped up in the cognitive realm. And what Brooke is saying is that we don't necessarily know what is being traded, how it's being traded, how this whole thing works. The pits of half sin are a perpendicularity that has now been closed due to, you know, Kelsier destroying them. Um, so it is possible that that is all that is being said. But we don't know. This is a big, fat question mark. The idea and the speculation that I have is that what is being traded throughout the cognitive realm and what maybe the people from the Irie got their hands on are objects of investiture or magic on these different planets. That, to me, seems like the most valuable thing that could be traded and would be traded in a Cosmere cognitive economy. Uh, And we know that metals on Scadrial are part of ruin and preservation as we've talked about they made everything so everything is in them metals are extra special because they're like souls so they have a little extra bit of investiture and it would make sense that that was like the main thing coming off that schedule exports to me and that maybe what rashar exports would be the little gemstones with stormlight since we know from oathbringer stormlight and the gemstones are a huge part of their economy just going on on Rashar. Maybe that's going on in between planets as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously possible that they are trading investiture. But I think the simplest explanation is usually the correct one, which would be that the Selish people are using their own investiture. Occam's Razor, just the perfect example of the simplest 
option or the simplest explanation is most likely to be yeah. the accurate one. Yeah. I, With a book like this, especially, I think it's really easy to like really get into the weeds and make things like super convoluted. Uh, and I think that's like part of the danger of the Cosmere too is like especially with so much time in between books and stuff we have so much time to just speculate wildly that we sometimes come up with things that are far more complicated than they need to be I want it to be far more complicated than it needs to be like that (laughs) is where I will always go I want this full rocking economy with advanced trade going on and little people somehow able to use any type of investiture for some reason (laughs) Yes, that's definitely where things are going. By Mistborn Air 2, we know that the people from the South have invented some magic technology that allows for anyone to use any different type of cool metal burning or storing power. We wonder if that can go across the Cosmere. This is also when Kelsier learns about the, the southern the South, yes. Skadrians. Yeah, he's like, wait a second, there's people down there? Yeah. That's like the first hint that we get, which is exciting. It's so weird that everything is so focused on the final empire, and there are entire cultures and civilizations that we were not exposed to in the regular Mistborn books until Air 2, obviously, but... Like, there's a lot going on that we don't know. And we know by Era 2, the people from the South are used to a significantly warmer climate to the point when they get, like, actively sick uh, in just normal temperature and they need one of the devices to keep themselves warm if they're going to remain, like, healthy over time. In Elendale? Yeah, well, not Ellendale, but like the whole surrounding area, basically Harmony's little beautiful land that he's created for everyone there. It's like totally awesome Wild West style, you know, it's like pretty good spot to live. And for the people from the South, they're like, this is freezing cold and we're all going to die. What I want to hit on a little bit is also the ruin side of this equation, because we get a bunch of exposure to ruin and his plans and the different ways that he manipulates the Inquisitors, people with spikes. We know that Spook uh, is one of the side characters in the Era 1 books, but he has a huge important moment where Ruin corrupts Spook through making a spike being planted inside of him, uh, but then he uses the voice of Kelsier to make Spook walk down the path that he wants to in a very similar way that he manipulated Kelsier in his own life to walk down the path to kill the Lord Ruler. So Spook is being played by Ruin as Kelsier, but it will be Kelsier who shows up and gives Spook the motivation he needs to rip the spike out of himself and save uh, that city, which is a distraction enough for Ruin that allows Vin to make a move when she needs to make a move. It's all like tied together a little bit more beautifully or eloquently uh, in Mistborn Secret History. But Ruin is kind of the other big side of this equation that we get a lot of exposure to in Mistborn Secret History. And what's his philosophy? Well, Ruin assists preservation in creating life on Skadril, as we discussed. 
And they have a pact, so to speak, that if Ruin agrees to create life, he will eventually be able to destroy it. And he says, quote, It was a gift I gave. Life. Wondrous, beautiful life. The joy of a new child. The pride of a parent. The satisfaction of a job well done. These are from me. But it is done now, Kelsier. This planet is an elderly man, having lived his life in full, now wheezing his last breaths. It is not evil to give him the rest he demands. It is a mercy. End quote. And I find this quote much more applicable or like much more of a great definition of what ruin is in a very similar way that we learn in Stormlight what odium is. Yeah. Like he's not That's hatred. That's a good comparison. He's passion. He's all of the passionate emotions. And that includes things like love and lust and hatred and all the wonderful yeah. and terrible things. All of but those like really intense emotions. That's odium. It's not one thing. And Ruin is representing that kind of same thing. He's not just like decay and destruction. He is life The circle changed. of yes. life. Yeah. He, um, he's essentially Kali from like Indian mythology. She is the destroyer, but also like the rebirther. Yeah, I mean, in the uh, the the pantheon of Hindu gods, you have Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, and I think Kali is one of the She's representations an aspect, of yeah. Shiva. Exactly. So, like, Shiva is the destroyer god who is also the only way that the circle can begin again, and is necessary, and is actually like one of the most popular <laughs> uh, like <laughs> deities that people like pray to and yeah. have temples to and worship um, because just as like Ruin is pointing out, this isn't evil. This is... All things must end Yeah, it's a natural point. cycle that he has to play. And actually like the perpetuation of something after its time, Kelsier, we're looking at you, um, can actually be a, a detriment or like a bad thing. You know, we have all experienced or heard about you know either people or situations or things that reach the end of their usefulness or their joy of life that need to be let go of in order for life to move on in a productive manner and that in those circumstances keeping things the same as preservation would would not be great rune and preservation work together to create scadriel and now we have a situation when the shards of ruin and preservation and the power of those shards is being held by one vessel, Zazed, who has renamed himself Harmony. The question, and it's a question that's birthed by Mistborn Era 2, is, is that a good thing? Is both of those shards together actually the best way for them to operate? What do you think, Brooke? Well, I think it would be a bad idea to have either one of these shards separately because like left by himself, ruin would just decay and preservation would just stay the same. And when they are paired together, they enable uh, a balance of both preserving and that circle of life 
destruction that allow things to, you know, move at a good, balanced sort of pace. But I think previously, because they were operated by different vessels that each had different sort of philosophies and like they were each trying to get what they individually wanted Mm -hmm. that caused that um, conflict. Yeah. That conflict, that clash of two people, like they, you know, weren't, were trying to work together, but not working together very well because they each had their own things. Whereas now that they're both being held by one vessel, obviously it's still going to be difficult because the intents of the shards are so opposite but having one vessel being able to wield them both and kind of figure out how to use both of these tools to achieve a common purpose is going to be much more harmonious um and have less conflict and destruction and you know issues as previously i do think that the is a means to create less conflict, as you mentioned, if they're both held by one individual. But I wonder, and this is Harmony wondering as well, about maybe the way in which he is wielding the shards is actually not beneficial for the people of Skadril. He definitely has doubts about his own choices and the way that he is... He, he describes himself as like conflicted to the point of not being able to act. So he gets into like a stasis that also Ruin and Preservation got when they were independent, like the stasis of the Lord Ruler's reign, that 1,000 years. It's not that bad, obviously. Yeah, because I would argue that because of the pact that Ati and Laris made with their powers, they became unbalanced. Whereas with Sazed holding both of them, he can ensure that the two powers remain in a beneficial balance. Yeah. That. Not that it's going to be easy. Like we said, like he is going to have conflict within him because he's holding two opposing powers. Yeah. And it's that question of like, is, can those two opposing powers exist in one person? I guess it's dependent on the person and Zazed is a better example or a better choice than we could probably make, you know, of anyone else in the Cosmere. But it's definitely interesting to me that the thing that Zaze most vocalized as a problem was that he was also in a stasis, a stasis and maybe unable to act the way he wanted to or would have in the past. Like he was the terraceman who was a rebel and he joined the Kelsier's crew to take down the Lord Ruler. Like, this is not terrorist yeah, stuff. Yeah, like- but I think you can also see that, like, what I would tell Sazed if I was just sitting Hanging down out. with him. Yeah, just like, hey, man, you know, we all have to come upon these circumstances that are a little bit challenging, that force us to grow as a person, like you said, so that we can move forward. Yeah. And he is having to learn a different way of being. There are times in our lives for lots of motion and revolution making. And there are times in our lives when we are just holding and allowing other things to move. Yeah, like a like a yoga pose, you know, you just got to hold the pose. Sometimes you can't rush into the next thing. Sometimes you got to just like feel the whole thing. And sometimes that's the challenge is actually not moving. Mm, Yeah. 
it is. That's what I would tell Sazed. Yeah, it was just just great advice. Do some more meditation and yoga, Sazed. I think he probably does a <laughs> lot of meditation, but maybe more yoga. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's the, that he's doing too much meditation, too much just sitting. <laughs> I feel like Mistborn Secret History, especially if it keeps diving in, I mean, I would love some Kelsey or Zay's conversations now that he's harmony yeah okay wait let's talk about that final conversation with um spook yeah kelsey and spook because this is the setup really and what gives us the hint about what was to come in mistborn era 2 kelsey appears to spook who has now been made like lord mistborn spook the lord mistborn and he has (laughs) The people have given him a very nice house to live in that's better than anything else has. And then the description of it is so plain. It's just like there was a cot and a fireplace. But he's like the only one that has a house house. and not a tent. (laughs) Uh, And Kelsier appears to him and immediately Spook is like, we killed you, Ruin. Get Get out of here. here. (laughs) Uh, And Kelsier is like, nah, man, it's me for real this time. No need to trip. Oh, BT dubs, Zazed let slip that there is a way for me to get my body back, and it involves hemallergic spikes. Drops down a bunch of hemallergic spikes, basically as part of the creation story that Spook eventually like writes down, he, the history of what happened, and that's eventually treated like almost a, a Bible or a, a holy work by the time we get to Mistborn Era 2. Kelsier was part of that work and helped uh, inspire and influence Spook in writing it. Most importantly, they did some experimentations with hemallergic spikes. <laughs> Your face is just like staring. Well, because experimentation is, <laughs> you can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> but uh, the experimentations that they do are all intended to get this cognitive shadow Kelsier back into the physical realm with a physical body. And by Mistborn Air 2, that's what we have. Yeah. It's pretty, like, the implications of this are pretty broad. And it's, like, kind of crazy-making, too, to watch Kelsier go through so much growth and change as he is, like, learning all of the things that he doesn't know, like Mr thinks he knows everything, like, I'm going to solve all the problems, is suddenly confronted with, like, hey, man, you're actually really tiny, so just sit down and, like, shut up. Um, And then by the end of this, like, big changing experience, he's just, like, same old Kelsier, manipulating Spook, like, being... Having a plan, (laughs) like, building a crew, and I think that this is kind of a hint that... Or overall, I just think that this is not Kelsier that we're dealing with. And the thing that eventually gets put back into a body, this cognitive shadow that gets put into a body that has the single spike through the eye, um, I don't think that's Kelsier. Like, yes, in Mistborn Air 2, the body is said to have scars like Kelsier did from the pits. Who do you think it is if it's not Kelsier? It's... Kelsier cognitive shadow. I don't think that the cognitive shadow is a person. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the question. But that's like one of the other things that's just like, 
I feel like we don't know enough yeah. at all to even be able to speculate. It's just like, okay, I mean, that's a question. Yeah, it's kind of like what we said last week when we were talking about Threnody. It's like a shade is one thing, and Maya, Adolin's dead spren blade, is another thing, and Kelsier is a third thing. But we also just like, we don't know enough about how the cognitive realm works and like if the investiture that is the soul of Kelsier retains its identity, just like, you know, the fire that he picks up in the cognitive realm has some kind of identity that is its own. And is that separate from like the ideas that other people have that are starting to manifest in the cognitive realm? Like, is there a second cognitive version of Kelsier that is just the survivor yeah, as he the, is like, like worshipped. Yeah. But like then the question is, is that a separate thing? Or does that somehow like seep into actual Kelsier? Which it doesn't seem like in Mistborn's Secret History, which is like I would say the biggest argument against that theory is just that throughout Secret History, people would have been worshipping Kelsier as the survivor, and we see no indication that he feels or is affected by that at all. Well, it definitely starts, but it's not at the point of actual um, like deity worship that he gets to by the time that Mistborn Era 2, when there's like an actual survivorism is a religion that exists. It start, it's be- the beginnings of survivorism I feel is like happening it in Mistborn Era 1. Like, I agree are... that it's it's not like a, it's not a good point in my favor uh, of the argument. I am just like very convinced because Brandon has trained me to like not trust the first reading. So you like read this once and you're like, oh, cool. Kelsier dies, but he's still around as like a ghost, cognitive shadow. And then he gets himself back a body and then puts his soul and spirit back into that body. And now he's just Kelsier running around Mistborn Air 2. My question is, what if he is, as you hinted, somehow like absorbing and becoming something else as the cognitive shadow, more like a spren is the manifestation of honor or XYZ, than really what Kelsier was. I I am just, I'm intrigued by this idea and what the concept introduces. Can you just take anyone's cognitive shadow and dump it into anyone else's body and then they just become themselves in that body? Is there any impact whatsoever? I mean, I would guess there would be an impact just as there is with all hemolurgy, right? Like something is lost. That's the definition of hemolurgy. Like we don't think that Kelsier's created a zombie right like he didn't go dig up his actual decaying body no because the entire world was remade and there's no reason Mm. to think that his body was around so he went and got a new body and then in that new body it manifested the scars and the physical damage kind of like um the mist wraiths or not mist wraiths but the no no what the mist wraiths become is the chondra yeah the chondra Where they are able to, like, build themselves a body. He could be in in a a chondra body. Yeah, like, what if he just creates himself a body? Actually, that's a better theory, is just that he has, like, a chondra body. Because the chondra are built with spikes as well. Maybe he did have, like, a partnership with the chondra, although they really don't like that type of stuff. Yeah, but if he's working with Spook, Spook knows everything, and... 
we've already seen that Kelsey or Ken manipulate Spook pretty easily. Spook That's would true. just be like, hey, actually, I've been talking to the Chondra and like, maybe we should try that. And then he could have like a, you still have to take the body from somewhere, right? Like, because they have yeah. an ability. You would have to take bones. Yeah, exactly. They have an ability to like build the body around the bones. If you then theoretically like had the body, I, I think this has got to be like a creepy type of Frankenstein. Well, yeah, obviously. Thing where That's like all of hemallergy though. Yeah, exactly. All of hemallergy in negative investiture. Just the concept of being able to like hack a spirit into a body like Frankenstein. And then that body taking on the memory or the the physical manifestation of the scars that Kelsier had to me is so interesting. Like, I don't think he went and got his actual body. I could be, that's obviously something I could be wrong about and we could be proven wrong about. But I also wouldn't put it past Kelsier to make himself look the way that he wanted to look in order to achieve his goal in whatever would, way necessary. He recreated the scars on his hands just so that he could have the kind of worship uh, that was necessary and like the mythology or whatever, like Maybe, the mythology. Yeah. yeah. I feel like your concept of like he is a chondra, but with like Kelsier's cognitive shadow like slammed back into it, that does seem to line up with more of what we know about the Skadrian universe. Um, it's way better than just like he went and stole some dead person or some person <laughs> who was like right by death and they were like, pause we're gonna hit you with some hemallergic spikes while kelsier's cognitive shadow lays down on top of you in the cognitive realm and then we're gonna spike him into this dead decaying body oh man it's so creepy when you think about like what had to happen that's gross exactly but that that's i don't think that's what happened hemallergy that's how hemallergy works right like that's how they created marsh yes but i don't think this is quite the same I'm just going down the avenues that we know exist. Like hemallergy is real gross and Kelsier's cognitive shadow, whatever that is, had to get back into a body somehow involving hemallergy. Well, if you can essentially rewrite a person's spirit web, right? Like you would just put in a spike that somehow rewrites your past or rewrites your connection to then create a new connection to this body what if it's also like emperor soul a yeah, little bit where basically yeah kind of she rewrote um the soul stamp i don't know there's not all a, you have to do is change the spirit web all you have to do just a piece yeah, of cake just change easy, the spirit web. <laughs> no problem at all every day yeah just every morning just like kelsier stamps his butt and <laughs> he just becomes kelsier cognitive shadow on scadrill again I think really the big questions are we need more, maybe the finale of Era 2, uh, but we need more of like what Kelsier became and, and how that exists because I feel like we know more about Marsh in Era 2 than we do about <laughs> Kelsier. Yeah. Uh, and like so much of the beginning of the first book, you think that Kelsier is the Lord Ruler um, or that's the name that they've given him. So it's... Definitely something that we hope to learn more about, but I think the best way to like conclude this is just to say Mistborn Secret History is crazy and every little bit 
is a hint at the greater Cosmere and what's going on. Let us know what you think about all of the craziness that we talked about on this episode. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. And for our birthday, please leave ratings, reviews on all the different social media slash iTunes, all that stuff. Until next time, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. Thank you.